Caroline Spina. See, just like old school today, kicking it old school. I like it. Back to basics. (laughs) Hi, girl. Hey, girl. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah, summer's coming. I don't like it. So, you know. (laughs) I like this summer. Well, you travel on the subway. That's true. Four hours to get here. (laughs) And then you tell me about how much you love the summer in New York City. Girl, before we get to the show, let's just remind the people about our Patreon. Oh, yeah. You guys, Patreon's off the hook. We. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) Off the hook. It's off the hook. Listeners. It's off the hizzy, you guys. Okay. Let's. What's in that club soda have not over been there? Drinking. We have not even been drinking a little bit. You guys, um, today we're recording Serial Episode 8. Yeah, and you know what? what Everyone bro? listening at home, I side with Sarah Koenig. I do not hate her. I love Serial. <laughs> but listening back on it, I'll be damned if we're not laughing about the NPR-ness I know, of it all. I know, I know. Guys, I know. we love Serial. We love Sarah Koenig. You know who we don't love? Jay. Jay garbage <laughs> um, but I agree with Sarah Sarah and I do something very I, it's like I was listening to myself in the following episodes so what, we'll in what way um, in our tone <laughs> maybe I'll say that I don't want to spoil it I know but I'm just saying like, it's nice to see you identify with Sarah I know but we also hear a lot of your girlfriend Christina yeah Christina Gutierrez is all over this episode yikes <laughs> And Julie Snyder makes an appearance, you guys. It's very exciting. It's packed. Anyway, we're up to episode eight with Serial. Two full other bonus episodes, a whole bunch of mini episodes. We released a mini episode this week all about our uh, time at CrimeCon. I know. I listened to it this morning, and it just it brought me right back <laughs> to that. Anyway, you guys, patreon.com uh, slash truecrimeobsessed. You can find the, the link on our website. Thank you so much. We're obsessed with all of you. Yeah. We're so, so grateful. You we're guys are amazing. Time ever. Should we get to the show? Uh, I, I, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Girl, what are we talking about today? Finders Keepers. This is another one that was brought to our attention by the listeners. And yeah. I gotta say, you guys, this was a bonkers one. This bonkers is is truly accurate. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a step above bananas. <laughs> it's just bonkers. It's just like, what? Um, and I like full on hated one of the people. Like I, oh, I, I found no redeeming social value in any way yeah. possible, or no redeeming quality at all. Actually, <laughs> Shannon, this bitch. We'll get to him. We'll get to him. We'll get to him. I hated that person. I'd seen the grill and ended up buying it, and I opened the grill up, and there's a foot, you know, five toes and five toenails. I decided to keep it. The Smoker Grill is now a tourist attraction. I can't believe. I mean, who is this guy? That's my leg. He lost his leg three years ago, and that's just one hurdle life has thrown at him. I've been shot, run over by a state dump truck, electrocuted. I've been through a lot. An unbelievable character, isn't he? A gentleman told me today I was a household name in Hollywood, California. Everybody around here knows him as Footman. Some folks just call me Foot for short. It is a freak show, no question. It's a funny story, but it's born of tragedy. I lost my leg in a plane crash, and I lost my father. When I was a kid, I made a wish. One day I might be a movie star. He likes the spotlight. It's all he thinks about. It's just took him over. After the crash, they send you home with a can full of Oxycontin and nobody says anything about the addiction. That's what about killed me. And I would have just kept on doing what I was doing. 
It's really all I had was that leg. If he can hang on to this leg and keep it in this world, then that's his dad. This leg has given him a purpose. There must have been 50 cameras clicking and flashing. None of that had ever happened before in my life, and uh, that's something you'll never forget, you know. The battle tonight is just who does that leg belong to? I got proof, evidence. He actually thought this was his big break. As bizarre as it all is, we can't move forward until there's an ending for this leg. It's a win-win-win. If you're just winning or win-winning, that's that's just winning or win-winning. But when you're win-win-winning, you're win-win-winning. Girl. Girl. Do you want to get us started? I guess. Um, we start in Maiden, North Carolina. This is North Carolina? Yeah. I just assumed it was Georgia. I we, don't know why. We go back and forth between North and South Carolina, I believe. Okay, whatever. That's like, really? We have bigger <laughs> fish to fry here. <laughs> We're at the Maiden Mini Plaza storage facility, lot number 48, garage number 48. And we meet John Wood. I guess he would be the He's person. kind of our hero here. Yeah. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah. He gets a hero bell he at the yeah, end, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. One for sure. million percent. This is, where I, this is where I put all my stuff. Uh, had to be late summer of 2005. Everything I owned was in the storage building. And you pull this door open, the very first thing right there was that grill. Um, so we just get in our time machine, our virtual time machine to 2007, and there's all this news footage. Yes. And the 911 call. I love when we open with a good 911 call. And this is a good 911 call because there was no murder. Right. There was no, like, absolutely heart-wrenching thing that haunts you. Totally, totally. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in the town of Maiden tonight, a case that has police there scratching their heads, it's all because of what was inside a smoker that was sold at a storage facility auction. What's the problem there? I got a human foot. Have a what? A human left. Just for the record, this is a, an embalmed left foot. Mm-hmm. So like it's not like a it's not like it just got hacked off and somebody threw their leg into the smoker. This is a preserved <laughs> Which is totally what it seems like at first. <laughs> <laughs> it's very like on a smoker like why <laughs> we find out why but it's just at first it's very alarming <laughs> <laughs> but it's like a yeah it's like a mummified foot okay who's making the 911 call this guy's Shannon Wisnant how do you even say that name <laughs> that's how I'm just calling him Shannon his lower third is foot finder they're having a little fun they're, they're having some fun but he calls and like at first you're, I'm just hysterical because it's like the 911 call I have a human foot and the cop's like a what and then Shannon just says louder and slower a human foot <laughs> and you're like all right, a, a human left foot, and you're like, oh boy, all right, girl. And he calls it plum nasty. It is like, uh, so what happens is that there's a, just real quick. Yeah. 
this storage unit right. was the per, the owner John Wood wasn't paying the bill for it. Right. So eventually the the storage facility company yes. had to come in and say, "All right, we got to open this place out." They're evicting him basically because You've that's what seen happens. These reality shows where they do an auction, right? Where they they yeah, cut yeah. the lock and they do an auction, and that's what they did. Yeah. So the first thing in the the storage facility was this grill, and so no, it's like a smoker. It, yeah, it's, it's a smoker. So southern. It's yeah. so yeah. It's actually yeah. It's a smoker because. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy, Shannon, goes to the auction and bids on the cooker and wins and then goes home and opens it and finds a, a human, human foot. left foot. Yeah. Are you guys okay? <laughs> um, when we meet Shannon, we learn several things about him. And really, the main thing is that he wanted to be on TV a bunch. When I was a kid, sometimes I would just look up at the stars. There was a many of fallen stars, and I made a many a wish. One of them was uh, I'd be on TV a bunch, and uh, one day I might be a movie star. One day I might be, you know, rich and have more, plenty more money, you know, burning money. He wanted to be buried in money. That would be, like, super cool. Is that what he said? He, buried in money? I, it was one of those, like, Mamie White things where I was like, Close I, captions. I know, I know. You're right. Everybody has them available. <laughs> he wanted to be buried in money. That would be real cool. That would be, like, super cool. All right, so ne- what happens next? Now we're at John's house. John, the guy whose foot this actually is. Right, and we learn what happened. Yeah. A little bit about what happened. We go into it much later. Right. I just wanted to say really quickly, yeah. like the uh, the Wild and Wonderful Whites, there's a lot of subtitling here. Mm. So I don't know how much of this audio is going to be usable. It's light years better than it the is, Whites. It, and it goes back and forth. There are times where John's really clear and you uh-huh. can understand what he's saying, and then there's times when they literally have to subtitle him in the movie because you can't understand what he's saying. Right, and I think it's also like... <laughs> They just want to be clear. He is talking about a foot. <laughs> this is actually happening. <laughs> At first you think something absolutely horrible happened. Is this going to be, is this a serial killer? Does Zodiac live there? Right. What? So we learned that John lost his leg in a plane crash in 2004. Yes. Which is horrifying. And he had his leg amputated and wanted to keep it. I talked to two or three different people out there at Baptist Hospital, including the surgeon. And somebody was going to be able to get the flesh off this thing to me and send the bone back. He talked the doctors into letting him keep, keep the leg. He claimed all he, these berries, the whole man. He living. thought he was going to be getting back skeletal remains from the hospital. No. We learn more about that later, but right now we're just focusing on the foot. Correct. And John talked the doctors into letting him keep it. And it's not just a foot, just to be clear. So it's like up to the knee. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a, the and femur and you see the, there's bone and yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he, what he wanted was the bones. Right. What he got <laughs> was the leg with like his tendons and muscles right. in it. And he tells this ridiculous story <laughs> about how the mortician had it. It ended up in the hands of a mortician. Uh-huh. And the mortician was the dude who dropped it off in a, garbage bag and while john's like oh what what have we here and opening it up there's a mortician shaped hole in the wall and john is literally like all i saw was dust in my driveway the dude booked it because i promise you nothing like that has happened before or since and he is the life of all the mortician parties morty tell morty tell the story when he dropped the leg off in the garbage bag 
Is it Morty the Morty the mortician, right? The thing is, I have this image of the of the mortician shaped hole in the door where there's like one of those old school doctor bags. Yes. You know, like you see. Like a hat, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. We're talking about a fourth generation mortician out the door. He didn't say buy or nothing. But then John describes like opening the bag like a real <laughs> It was so gross. He can see his own tendons. He was like, that was crazy. I'm like, it sure is, John. And sure enough, they sent my whole leg back to me. I could see my tendon, my tibia, my fibula hanging out the top. There was five toes and his calf muscle down here. I ain't never seen that like that before in my life, man. Not even in the... World War II flick. I'd see some legs blowed off and stuff like that, but I mean, when you're looking at your own stuff, damn. And then, (laughs) you can't just have a leg. Like a rotting leg, right, yeah. You guys. I know, I know, I know. um, So you need to freeze it. Uh Uh-huh. So he decides oh God. to call his friend who works at Hardee's, that fast food joint. It always pays to have a friend at Hardee's. I know this girl that worked down there at this Hardee's in Maiden. I slipped it by there and asked her, you know, can, can you store this thing for a couple of hours? Let me find another place for it. I guess she went back and laid it right on top of the sausage biscuits or something right in the breakfast rush hour. She put it with the breakfast sandwiches, <laughs> the sausage biscuits. <laughs> And then her manager saw it and said, excuse me, please get this rotting leg out of the breakfast sandwiches. Also, you're fired, I hope. And then she called John and said, hey, John, you got to pick up your leg. He picked it up at the drive-thru. You guys, two weeks in a row, two epic drive-thru stories. Can you imagine? I just went around to the drive-thru there and kind of picked this thing up. (laughs) She slipped that thing out the window to me. I mean... What I can actually imagine is sexy from the Wild and yeah. Wonderful Whites or whatever the hell the movie was called. Like screaming at that lady uh-huh. into the, you have any fiesta? And she drives up and like gets this guy's leg. Right. And Instead, she probably would have eaten it. She'd be totally fine with it. <laughs> Absolutely. She would have no she idea. She was starving. Starving. Well, stoned. Right. You pronounced stoned wrong. So we meet John's sister, Marion, or Mary, they call her both, and her husband, Tom. Now, okay, they're sitting at a table, and they honestly think this whole story is ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, and we learn why I am team Mary. She's a Wiccan. I think she's awesome. (laughs) She's amazing. She's so cool. She's amazing. So they sort of chime in to help us tell the story of how the foot ended up from in the Hardy's freezer and how it got to the cooker. Exactly. And there's a lot of really great animation here, you guys. I know. <laughs> they use it very well. I liked it. So he gets his friend who works at the mortuary to get him some embalming fluid and he had it in a roasting pan out in his in shed. In the shed. Basting this thing like a roast with embalming fluid. So Mary explains that John took the screen door, the screen off his door. Uh, and then he wrapped the leg in it and put it in the tree in front of his house <laughs> to mummify it. And he let it air dry for six months. Because he had put embalming fluid on it. And then he gets evicted. Yeah, so that's when the leg ended up in his smoker. In the smoker. That's when the smoker and, and all of John's possessions went into storage um, the storage unit. unit. Which he and John moved down to South Carolina. Never paid his bill. And my mom paid the first three months of the storage unit and said, after that, John, it's yours. That's how we end up in this And mess. here we are. <laughs> so now we're back in North Carolina and we're with Shannon again. <laughs> 
he now his lower third is he's an entrepreneur. Oh my god! Yeah. So he tells the story of what it was like to find the the leg. Yes. So I drugged the old grill. I said, "Well, let's just see what this is." And I opened the grill up. I pulled this thing out, and it sort of looked like driftwood, you know, shaped odd, and uh, but it's kind of heavy, so I know it wasn't driftwood. And he says, he told his mom and her boyfriend, <laughs> I found a foot. And they're like, you found a what? <laughs> a foot. A what? That's, every, that's the conversation. That's the first, like, ten sentences of every conversation you have, whether it's the 911 dispatcher or your mother and her boyfriend. He said, it's a human foot. I said, a what? I said, a foot. And they said, a what? You're full of it. No, I'm not. I said, yes, you are. I said, a foot, you know, five toes and five toenails. By the way, that's my new favorite thing that you do. Oh, what? Well, my, what? I love it so I much. Lo- I, I just, I don't, thank you. I love I don't know why. It just makes me laugh. But he does that voice. Right. And so when, he heard, when I heard it, I was like, Shannon? Are you here? Are you with Rachel from Jesus Camp in my closet? Please say no. <laughs> what if they both came walking out of my, my I would I I literally would just felt myself beside myself at the idea of them because I can see the closet oh my god okay and then Shannon says this thing because people are like so you found a foot you went to the store and you you just want to keep it <laughs> why and he says people are crazy if they think he's gonna throw this some bitch away <laughs> So the <laughs> I said, buddy, you're, you know, I, I'm thinking, well, you bumped your fucking head. You're about crazy as hell. You think I'm going to throw this son bitch away? He called the sheriff's department, and they came and they confiscated it. And uh, Shannon said, well, it's mine. I paid for it. <laughs> He, sh- he should never should have called the cops right. if he wanted it so badly. Totally. Because then we meet Nelson Miller, who has no time for your shit or anyone else's. He's the responding officer. Yeah, yes. He has, it's so great, this one, they didn't even have to include him, but I feel like the, the filmmakers have such a great sense of humor. Totally. With the, you know, entrepreneur, foot yeah. finder, or whatever. And original so, foot owner. Original foot owner, like, yeah. it's just so funny. And he just has, like, one line. Right. And he says. Yeah, I saw it. I just wasn't going to pick it up. Yeah, I'm the same. Same, girl. I wouldn't pick that thing up either. I guess the best place to put anything like that, if it's a body, you put it to the funeral home. If it's part of a leg, you put it in the funeral home. We don't need it. So now we hear more about John. John, the original foot owner. Yes. and (laughs) It used to be his foot, you guys. It used used to be his foot. to his body. You guys, please, I can't handle it. (laughs) And we get this footage from 2007, because we learn later this becomes a very local media sensation. So we get this footage of him that looks like it's from 1981. It's from 2007. (laughs) It is true. It's so grainy. That local cable news thing that looks like it's from eight decades ago. all on VHS (laughs) or like 8-track. It it doesn't make any sense at all. He lost his leg three years ago in a plane crash, and he he says that's just one of the many hurdles life has thrown at him. I've been shot, run over by a state dump truck, uh, electrocuted. I've been through a lot. He's been run over by a state dump truck <laughs> and electrocuted. And I'm like, what? This We're guy. We're going to find out that this guy was on a lot of pills and a lot of drugs. Yeah. This could be true. It could not be true. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. Yeah. So then now we're back even further to 1978. And we yes. learn about John's childhood. John was super rich. The basement of his home where he grew up was a roller rink. And uh, he had a go-kart track and go-karts. 
to ride. We had the big house on the block. Most everybody worked for Tom. If they didn't, they wanted to. This is one of my, the burning questions. Like, spoiler alert, John's whole family is super poor now, and we yeah. don't know where that money went. It looks, they, they have an aerial shot of the estate that he grew up in. It looks yeah. like the Foxcatcher estate. Totally. And he's got, like, they've got pools, and they've got airplanes, and they've got, like, all of this A shit. A roller rink and go-kart. I mean, yeah. you guys, the ultimate rich kid house, totally. like, out of a movie, like, Richie Rich's house. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And his dad was a super big deal, and he ran, like, a furniture company, and yeah. he was, every, he had a lot of employees, and everyone wanted to work for him. We and... get this story from John's mother. Right. And we also learned that... The, Dad, his, whose name is Tom, was a real daredevil, and he would right. kind of push the kids to do he would take, unsafe things. Oh, uh, he would take the kids up in his airplane that he was piloting. Mm-hmm. So this is a plane. It looks straight out of 1922. Yes. It's one of those small, like my biggest fear planes. He would take me and John out when we were little and do loops and, you know, all this crazy stuff. And we just thought it was cool because our Coke would float in the air, you know, and... So John felt like he could never please his dad. He just felt really inferior. Yeah. And we find out that he like he he like goes to boot camp, joins the army, and then like goes AWOL. You guys, yeah. you don't do that. Don't you do that, don't please. You guys do that. don't go no, AWOL. That no. is that is crazy. It's crazy. He went on leave after boot camp and got messed up with what, some drugs and, and ended up in and, and kicked him out. Blood test and that was it. You're out of here. I think that really disappointed my dad. John felt like he never could do as well as his father wanted him to. And therefore, John got into drugs. So then he was sober for a year. Right. And now we get to the plane crash. Let yeah. me tell you, watching this was like immersion therapy for me. Yeah. It was, I was like, this is, this is it. This yeah. is, I go on a plane in a week, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> like, so what, what's happening here is that John is trying to rebuild his relationship with his father. But, yeah, your dad going for one last flight because he was selling the plane the next day. It was sold. It was already sold. And he turned and looked at me and said, all cowards wait here. And my son was with me and I looked at him. It's like, you know, we all climbed in. Yeah. So basically, again, my biggest fear, the plane just stopped working. It just stopped. It was nobody's fault. It was an old shitty plane. Yep. It just stopped working. And there are thousands of feet in the air. Engine started sputtering. It's like pulling a choke out on your lawnmower. When it goes, pop, 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 the thing cut out all together, and we just, bam, straight down, nose first. And, and it just plummets to the ground. John is co-piloting, right, and it plummets to the ground. So Tom, unfortunately, the father died. Yeah. And John lost his leg, and the brother-in-law and his son are fine. Thank God. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. So the crash haunts him. Right. And he thinks, of course, like anyone would as the co-pilot, was there something I could do? Maybe I didn't take control of the plane soon enough. And uh, I got a lot of regret, and I got a lot of remorse, and I got a lot of guilt. Uh, you know, I'm reminded of that crash every day. I get up and I put this prosthetic on every day. I take it off every night. I'm always reminded of that crash. And we hear from about a zillion people, one of which is an actual plane mechanic. It was like, there was nothing John could yeah. do. And like, we, this comes later in the movie, but we may as well say it now. Like, what happens is that John, who's been battling drug abuse mm-hmm. and alcohol abuse, they, he says they send you home from the hospital having amputated his leg with a coffee can full of Oxycontin and mm-hmm. nobody tells you about the addiction. Absolutely. And this was long before people were really talking about the opioid yeah. epidemic. Yeah, 100%. And so what we learn here through this whole story is that the the leg is John's connection to his dad. Yeah. After the crash, 
my thinking was I wanted to keep my skeletal remains and make a memorial to my, you know, my father and this turning point in my life. If he can hang on to this leg and keep it um, in this world with him, then that's his dad. So that's where, that's why he wants to keep it. But also, girl, if you cared about it, don't put it in a storage facility and not pay the bill. Keep yeah, it well, in your house, at least. I'm, I can't believe I just suggested to keep an amputated <laughs> leg in your home. But part of that is that, so just to be super clear, John gets rehooked on drugs. Right. Because of the Oxycontin that he's on after the, after the amputation. Right. He, get, he goes, I mean, that's like, you can't do that to an addict. And he's right back on drugs. Right. And the grief and the trauma and the guilt. So now we need. No, now we're back to Shannon. Shifting gears. Right. Thank God, I need a. I need a break. I know. from all the heaviness <laughs> and the plane crash well, nightmares. Good, perfect timing because we meet Lisa, his wife. Lisa, his wife, who does nothing but mug to the camera the entire time, and she literally, her, she's looking at the camera. Her mouth isn't moving, but her eyes are saying, "Save help. me! Help me! Save- help me!" <laughs> I didn't ever think that it would be so big like somebody cares about somebody finding a foot in a grill so we learn that shannon is known as the footman <laughs> some people just call him foot for sure hey foot like, nobody does what? that shannon that's not nobody a, does that, that. That nobody, nobody cares does that. nobody thinks you're cool you probably have the smallest penis ever why right. are you doing this do you want to talk about how shannon and lisa met yeah shannon <laughs> walked into a bar fat 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 shannon walked into a bar with no shirt just wearing a pair of shorts a cowboy boot and a cowboy hat mm-hmm and I thought, what is he doing? He is so stupid. <laughs> and he thought she was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen. Uh-huh. And that's it, you guys. They that's get it. married. I will say Lisa is sort of like, as Shannon like sort of devolves here and sort of spirals out of control, she sort of is like a, a grounding force. She stays, she seems like a very normal person to me. And she says no less than 11 times uh-huh. that he's going to do whatever he wants to do. He's never going to be happy. He doesn't yeah. like the word no. And I'm yeah. like, girl, do you, how much help do you need? And I'm serious. <laughs> whatever he wants to do is he's 39 something years old. I mean, he's obviously going to do what he wants to do. So just cause I don't like it. Don't mean he ain't going to do it. <laughs> the I way know. she describes him and she gets serious and she goes, if he wants something, he's getting it. And that's just it. The thing and- is, she seems like a take no shit character, but right. then at the same time, she's married to this like larger than life personality. I hate him. So I know. Much. I know. I know. He's awful. He's awful. Good use of the garbage belt. Hey, thanks. So at some point, John becomes aware that like his storage unit has been sold and his foot is now out there. This guy, Shannon thinks he owns it, but the police actually have the foot. Right. So neither of them are in possession of the foot. Correct. That's an important yeah. line to draw because it's at this point in the movie where you realize, wait, neither of them actually have it. Right. It's like, it's his leg. I, I don't understand. <laughs> Why do you want it? I know. Oh, because he's fucking branding himself. Exactly. As the foot guy and the, the, the smoker foot or whatever. WCNC reporter Tony Burbank live now with the new twist in this story. Tony. Yeah, Chris, the battle tonight is just who does that leg belong to and what's going to happen to it next? Kept for posterity or used to make money? So we see this news footage and what? We learn that like Shannon is selling the, the opportunity to look at the smoker. Just the smoker. Again, neither of them have the leg. Oh my God. So he's selling tour. He'd be like, this is where I got the foot or whatever. 
<laughs> charging $3 for adults, $1 for kids. To see nothing! To look at a barbecue. Well, you're going to get so many emails about how a barbecue is not a smoker. All right! Hot fries aren't Cheetos. I get it. Whatever. You cook stuff on it. Jesus Christ. Where Shannon Wisner charges $3 a peak for adults, $1 for kids. You can come see it. Mob Cook Road off Business 321. $1 admission. <laughs> they like cut to John, like present day John, and he's like, nobody wants to see an empty grill. They want the foot, man. <laughs> like then yeah, they're both like kind of shit talking each other to the camera present day. Right. Like Shannon is saying that John is such a, a brat. And then John's like, he's not that good of a businessman. Like, what is he selling? <laughs> and John, you are absolutely right, girl. They don't want to see no empty grill, man. Man, they want to see some skin, man. Where's it at? So Shannon is branding himself as the footman, but he doesn't have the foot. Right. The police brought the leg to the local funeral home. <laughs> as you do. I guess because the mortician had to drop it off at John's at first, right? right? <laughs> The poor guy, the guy who like the mortician with the, like the mortician shaped hole in the door. Yeah, like, they're bringing it back to him, and he's like, like "No!" Like it's haunting him. Like every time he turns around, it's in a different a different place in the house. It's all jump scares that like that like vroom, that like that scary music. You guys on um, Palette Cleanser today is from Fun Home, which is like a, a show about um, a lesbian who like grew up in a funeral home. Great. Yeah, I love when you decide things. On I know the fly. it just came to me. I love it. Also, Beth Malone, I'm obsessed with her. Look her up. So the. The foot is now, the leg, the foot, the whatever, Yeah, is in a funeral home because that's where the police gave it. That's whatever. I don't understand. <laughs> this is not my wheelhouse. So Shannon is now demanding it because I think he's realizing he looks like a jackass. He looks like a jackass anyway. Right. But he's the footman with no foot. And I'm sure someone was like, give me back my fucking $3. I don't want to look at a slow cooker. Somebody asked for a return and it sent Shannon over the edge. Exactly. I really, I'm, I promise you that's very close to what happened. So he's pounding on the desk demanding what he's calling his property. Right. And they have to call his sister and they're like, can you calm this guy down what the hell the guy from the funeral home called me and said that shannon wisnett was down there pounding on the table and waving that receipt around and yelling at his receptionist and demanding his property i was flabbergasted i mean i was just like what 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 is happening? And so then Lisa's like, I'm sure it was chaos if they didn't give him what he wants. I was like, he sounds fucking charming, Lisa, yeah. girl. What are you doing? And so Shannon goes to find a judge to grant him ownership of the foot. <laughs> why the foot still exists, I don't know. Right. Like, why didn't the cops just take it and then get rid of it? Are you not allowed to do that? There must be some weird thing. Like, why? It's just this sitting. This is all unprecedented. This is all uncharted territory. I'm sure that they, are, they wrote the rule book as it was happening. And now... Do all funeral homes just have body, body parts, parts that have been found and still like what? I don't understand why. What's the protocol, you guys? Do we have any like any funeral home? You guys, out there? please. I'm. I, I kind of need to know because the fear of the unknown is scarier, I think, than what the truth has to be. Someone, please save me from my nightmares. So, so now because. Shannon cannot keep his mouth shut about this thing. Shannon has become obsessed with having the foot. Right. So he's screaming and hollering to anyone who will listen, the news, the judge, whatever. And John, rightfully so, is like, who is this guy and what does he want with my leg? What is happening? (laughs) You know, I can't believe. I mean, who is this guy? You know what I mean? Then we we get another clip of Shannon's sister. Oh, yeah. Who says your favorite line. (laughs) I hate being censored. I really hate being censored. But it's just fuckery and shenanigans. That's what I call it. Girl, same. <laughs> Carol Bell. 
She's <laughs> absolutely right. Yes. Again, the sisters are the voice of reason. The women are just like, gentlemen, please. This is the bridge you're going to die. This is the, the hill you're going to die on about a, a amputated foot. Like, what is going well, on? Well, it's also just like the more of a ruckus Shannon makes, the more attention he gets, which is why he's fucking doing it. I know. It. It's all he wants. Well, the man who lost the foot in a plane crash three years ago is reportedly heading to Maiden this week to reclaim the foot. Wisden says he wants to talk with the man and try to work something out. John decides he's going to have like a press conference. Like Shannon's been all over the news, uh-huh. and John, who's you know the original foot owner, <laughs> decides he's going to have a press conference. He decides to have a press conference at the Dollar General. Uh huh. All the local media knew I was coming up there, and I said, "Listen, I'm going to do this one time. I'm going to pick my leg up in Maiden. I'll meet y'all at that Dollar General." And even his sister is laughing at how <laughs> ridiculous it is. Anyway. So he shows up and Shannon decides, well, like, if, he, if there's going to be media here, I'm going to go too. Right. And they're like, it was a media circus. It was like five news crews. Right. <laughs> so everyone sit down. <laughs> and John is saying that he's appalled that this whole, the idea of his leg is a tourist attraction. And he just kind of wants to go home quietly and just take it, whatever. So he's right. sort of trying to fight Shannon on the only turf he knows, which is the media. Right. But Shannon shows up and is being trying to be because he's not. He's just such right. a doofus <laughs> trying to be trying to intimidate John. Next thing I know, here comes Shannon Wisnett coming out of the car. You know, he had to, you know stick his big grape up in there. I went up there, you know, and uh, I watched him like a hawk. It was just this glaring and this posturing attitude, you know, just this real aggressive posturing. He's staring at him. Right, exactly. Which can be very annoying and, you know, leaning in. Just that stupid, like... And Shannon, according to Shannon, according to present day Shannon, he pulled John aside and suggested that the two of them go into business together and play the media. Right. And and also that they came to a deal, like a joint custody deal. Some deal. He doesn't have any details (laughs) at all, but he wants to go into business and and really play up this rivalry. It's like, ladies, no one's going to give a shit in two weeks. Right. That's what happens. No one cares. Air garbage belt. You just air garbage belt. You totally. Air gar- <laughs> I didn't even. You air garbage belt. It was amazing. Um, do you, should we tell the people what jo- what John's take on this whole situation is? When he looks directly into the camera. Yes. John, I- take it away. Never had a deal with Shannon Whitley. Let that be explicitly clear. I never ever made any implications or otherwise had a deal with Shannon Whitley about anything going into business with him. In any way, shape, or form. Do I need to repeat that slowly? I believe him. I believe him too. Do you think it was clear enough? I totally believe him. Like, why on earth would he want to do this? And then Shannon's like, we did discuss business opportunities. I'm like, no, you didn't. So this is where we get... Um, John's mom and it's funny because in the preview she has so much levity because she says this great line it's a funny story but it's born of tragedy so in the preview that's a really funny line but then all of a sudden it takes as my friend Julian Pensavalli likes to say oh. a sharp left turn she sounds hilarious and gorgeous oh my god she, Julian and super thin <laughs> she's like you can't even imagine she sounds great the mom all of a sudden is like the tragedy was her tragedy. And that's the part that where I am is about the tragedy. What, what I lost, what I lost. I didn't lose a leg. I lost my husband. 
then she's like showing us around her house. She takes us to where her husband is like her dead husband was cremated, mm-hmm. put in a box, literally like in a cabinet, like behind the tea. I brought him home in a, with the crematory scent. And I thought, well, I'll just put him here. He built the house, so. And this is where he's been ever since, in that old box. And this isn't the big estate house with the, the roller rink and everything. Right. This is just a cabin somewhere. So this is where we start to see that, like, she doesn't have any money, and John doesn't have any money, and his sister doesn't have any money. Like, they're poor. Yeah. And we get no answers about where all that family money went. Yeah. But we do learn that, like, maybe the mom and the dead dad didn't have the greatest marriage. Right. So the mom's name is Peg. Yeah. And I don't care. I hate her. <laughs> So John and Mary are talking about how they resent how Peg handled the death of their father because she didn't have a service. He died and it was kind of it. She actually put him in the back of the closet. She did. And shut the door and that's it. And so the the kids are kind of like, what the hell? So Mary explains that her father was kind of a misogynist and what treated their mother terribly and it was very old school I'm the man you're the woman just all bullshit right, all yeah, yeah, bullshit yeah. Like. <laughs> it was a very misogynistic marriage the man rules if the man wants to go out and have a, a fling he does and, he, and this is just what men do he treated do. her very often as like an employee she carries a grudge forever yeah forgive and forget what kind of dumb statement is that Let's not. So the the whole thing about Peg, the mom, is that like she's heartless. We learn about that through like her son John's right. addiction. Yeah. Being related to or in love with or in a relationship with an addict is very hard because they do and we things. we get the sense that Peg has a lot more experience with this than uh, just with John. One zillion percent. Yeah. What she does, like Peg doesn't know the difference between not enabling and being totally heartless. Yes, t- totally. She thinks if she was here, she would say, well, I'm just not enabling him and I'm tough love. And it's like, no, but it's yeah. not that because she says this thing where I'm like, did she misspeak? I'm hoping she misspoke yeah. and she reversed it. You can't help but like John. There are times, most of the time, I don't know that I love him. I like him. And I'm like, no, 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 you should always love him, but you maybe you don't like him right now, but you love, like, you but know what I mean? But that was the moment where, I don't think she did misspeak. That I was, don't think she did That either. was the moment where I was like, oh, this is actually a heartless woman. Yeah, it, it was very, it jarred me. Yeah. And I, I hoped that she misspoke, but I knew like in my heart of hearts that she, act, that's how she feels. Yeah. And Mary's like, dude, that's super cold. I know. And then we learn more about the sister and how the sister really like nursed him through that time. Right. I would go over there and keep his house clean and do his laundry. I'd get him buying groceries. And I was taking money that we couldn't afford to give and giving it to John. But he needed it more than we did. He did. She knew that, like, she was fighting a losing battle. He yeah. relapsed, I mean, umpteenth times. Yeah. She didn't, and, like, she talks about how, like, she was prepared for him to either die or kill himself. Yeah. And she says this thing that her mom, you know, if she didn't hear from John for a couple days or a week or whatever, she'd call or she'd stop by to check in on him. And yeah. her, her mother was like. It's just the way she is. Oh, my God. I, I better go over and see about John. I just, I, he didn't call, so I better go see. Dirty, dirty, dirty. But she's got to throw him out there. She's got to let him go. Do you know how hard that is if you haven't heard from an addict to show up? You don't know what you're walking into. Right, right, totally. Think about that, Peg. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. (laughs) She's totally garbage. I hate her. And then 
again, like I just think this documentary is well made, except that it goes on about fifteen minutes too long. Yeah. But <laughs> and it's only like an hour and twenty minutes. I know. <laughs> just when we're like, oh God, like this is a lot, then we just cut right back to Shannon, who's like, I'm pretty smart. I'm sure you figure that out by now. I'm pretty smart. I'm sure all y'all figured that out by now. Uh, I've heard from many a folk. Uh, uh, kin to me and close to me and the ones that know me uh, they tell me that I got the best business mind that they have ever seen no <laughs> nobody thinks that and our exclusive interview with the man the myth the legend John Wood the- our ratings are skyrocketing party people because <laughs> you're here John goes on like Fox to talk about it. John announces that he is in possession of the leg. Right, and you're like, oh my god! <laughs> you have the leg back in your possession. Uh, you, you got confirmation. Who brought it back it. to you? Oh, I, I, I retrieved it from Layton. No, you guys. For the record, we have not seen this leg. We yeah. don't know if we're gonna see it. We don't like we. Every second, you're like, please don't show it. Please don't show it. Please uh-huh. don't show it. So we haven't seen it. We don't know if we're gonna see it. But this is where Shannon tells us he's um, biding his time. He's waiting mm-hmm. patiently. He's. I'm just waiting to see what's going. You know what all is going to perspire one day at a time. He means transpire. Yeah, mm-hmm. he said perspire. He said perspire. <laughs> that's not. The, that's the first time. I know. Oh, it comes back. It'll come back. You guys. On national television, it comes back. Oh, oh, we'll get there. So Shannon comes for John in the media, and then Shannon gets a lawyer and sues John. Right. Like the whole thing just gets crazy. And then, you guys, the story goes international. Because sometimes, like, remember with, like, the JT Leroy thing where, like, German TV was, like, dying to talk about uh-huh. it? There's something going on in Germany where they love these crazy American stories. And they came a-calling. Got a call from um, the Johannes B. Kerner show in Hamburg. It's fairly like the Jay Leno show of Europe. And his producer, you got that leg? Yeah, I got it. We're going to have to see it, you know, to keep the integrity of the show. So we get it real. We get the story only really from John's perspective, but they show them on this German talk show, and John and Shannon are sitting next to each other. Right. The only reason this is important to tell the story is because they get John to show the leg, and it is disgusting. It's disgusting that it happened. Yeah. It's disgusting how it happened. Yep. He had to get that on a plane. He had to check that. Like that was in luggage somewhere on a fucking plane that I might have been on. I've never been to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> But again, planes, you guys, I'm going on a plane in a week. This is a nightmare. (laughs) But so Tom and Mary are saying this is the worst time for John to get a little bit of fame because he's a full-blown addict once again. Right. And he's not doing well, and you could see it. So what the German producers do is they get him all liquored up. Yeah. Because at first he's like, I have it, but I'm not going to show it, which is annoying, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going all the way to Germany, you're saying you have it, and then you're not going to show it. You brought it it with you, you're going to show it. Like, it's ridiculous. But they got him drunk and convinced him to show it, and then he does, and it's horrible. It's disgusting. It's it's like it's like str- I don't even know I can't even I was I I, I, I try- <laughs> you just turned it to me not like just pick a sentence and go with it but that's I, me all the time no I like I put my hand in front of my face I was looking through my fingers it was it's it was so horrible gross and then John feels ashamed just make me kind of ashamed you know here it is I'm gonna throw it out there and you know and do like Shannon was gonna do with it and you know come look you know and sell it. And then we hear from family members who are like, you guys, everyone's making the situation worse. Now they're both, yeah. John and Shannon are both just fanning the flames of this and it's just a nightmare for everybody. Right. Because also, like, John's family wants to move on. I was trying to move through this and, you know, get through the whole plane crash and my dad and the grieving and, the, you know, no closure and all. 
John was still just dredging it up, and, and, and I was like, God damn it, John, you're making a bad situation like a billion times worse, you know, and, and you're forcing us to relive this over and over and over again when we're just trying to heal. Can we just put it to bed? And because the whole thing is that they had the plane crash. The dad died, but then John became a basket case. And so they've spent all this time and energy trying to like make sure he doesn't die, that they've never had the opportunity to mourn the loss of their father. Right. And they know that John is clinging to this foot because it, it it's right. a connection to the dad. Yeah, it's just like exactly. everyone's exhausted. And I'm like, girl, Sam. Okay. Then. <laughs> I. <laughs> then. The producers of Judge Mathis call. Yes, Judge Mathis, if you don't know, is oh. one of those like Judge Judy shows. Mm-hmm. Like it's on at two in the afternoon yeah. or whatever. <laughs> they call Shannon first. Shannon. Smart. Those yeah. producers know what they are doing. I gotta say, I used to work in TV. I never worked in this kind of TV. And all I know is that like, no offense if you guys work in this kind of TV, but it just seems like the most heartless. Although we find out that it's not. It's not. Yeah. But it seems very exploitive and very yeah. like do whatever you have to do to get these like garbage people here right because shannon didn't read anything he signed his life away yeah, totally, like shannon's totally. like tv oh my god yeah, like yeah. whatever so then they reach out to john right and they send him this contract so they send him a contract but there's a handwritten note on the uh-huh. front of it dear john please note judgments are final unlike regular court where there's an appeal process so mr wisnett would not be able to take you to court ever again Okay, let's do this damn thing. So now we're on the show. Shannon uses the word perspired again. (laughs) Everything has perspired through the news media and everything. And I've had people call me from all over the world. Footman. That's your name now, the footman. You guys, I just like, I sat with my fingers in my mouth watching this. It goes on for five minutes. (laughs) You want your fingers in your mouth? I'm I'm so excited. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, why do you have your hand in your mouth? (laughs) Judge Mathis is saying everything we're thinking. He's not... (laughs) Handling this for a second. He is saying everything. You have the leg on a barbecue grill. You're just trying to get famous off this man's leg. No. Yes, you are. You've been, what you on the radio for talking about you have the man's leg? I have a leg. I got it from the warehouse. It's mine. I'm going to put it on display. You're going to have to pay me $10 to see it. Meanwhile, John also is like completely missing a front tooth. So every time he talks, yeah. he's like he just looks like total white trash. Yeah, and he looks like an addict. Yeah. He just does. And so Judge Mathis gives John the foot because obviously I am going to grant your monetary judgment. You're not getting that leg. <laughs> I'm not giving you the man's leg. But the thing too that that where like you really see the level of insanity oh. is where Shannon is talking about after it was a <laughs> with the after, tears in his eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sobbing, <laughs> girl. After it's over, he says like it's like a paparazzi frenzy. Like he gets taken out of the courtroom, and all of a sudden these photographers pounce on him. After the show was over, uh, uh, right in front of where I was sitting, at the a crowd come out of nowhere, just sort of flooded us right there, and uh, they was a hollering, uh, "Mr. Whistner this way, Mr. Whistner this way," and. There must have been 25 or 50 cameras out there, just a clicking and a flashing and a flashing and a clicking and a Mr. Whistner this way, Mr. Whistner over here, please. And uh, I reckon that's a, one of the 
something you'll never forget, I guess, you know. Uh, none of that had ever happened before in my life, and uh, that's something you'll never forget, you know. He is crying recounting it because it's one of the happiest memories of his life. Do you know what it really was? No. It was two guys giving the exit interview that is on every one of those judge shows. The guy is crying about how happy it made him. (laughs) Girl, get a life. I'm sorry. Get a life. I know. I know. But. Okay, you guys. This is awesome. I love this. I love love this. Judge Mathis recognizes, or the producers or whatever, both of them actually, the producers and Judge Mathis himself, recognize that John is struggling and he's an addict. The Judge Mathis producers, and I was told Judge Mathis himself, had recommended them pull these strings out in California to get me down to probably one of the best treatment centers in the country. I had given up on John and I'm like... Who would have thought of all the people in the world to save John? It was Judge Mathis. I mean. You guys, he goes and he fucking gets clean. I'm going to cry. He goes and gets clean. Like he, he turns his whole life around. Yeah. And I love that. Just like you were saying, you would think that, oh, this trashy show just wants to exploit these people. Right. And maybe it started that way. Yeah. But they, I, it just humanized that whole situation totally. for me. And now I like am sad that I'm missing Judge Mathis right now. I know, I know. Like I want to go home and watch it. And this is like sort of the beginning of the end of the movie, but like we we see his like journey to like you know, we see him at the end, he's like three months sober, then we see him seven months sober. And then we meet what is her name? Katie Wilk. What does she do? She's, I'm not really clear what she does. She is a forensic veterinarian, which okay. at first, of course, was like ne- Plane crashes and ambuta- <laughs> and now like dead animals. Like what am I going to be forced to look at? But what she does is she cleans bones for a living. Yeah. I'm sure there's a name for this hobby, but I don't know what that name might be. I make sure the bones are in good condition to make it easier to put it back together. She hasn't killed anybody, right? <laughs> it's like she's not a murderer, right? Right. <laughs> Right? <laughs> it's like we the camera, like we follow the camera into her like workspace. Uh-huh. And it is a little bit Texas Chainsaw Massacre-y. Right. And she's also, I'm going to sound like such a dick saying it. She's so nice. She's so nice. Suspiciously yeah. nice. Totally. Right. Well, because she has this like one singular talent. Like right. she knows how to clean the flesh off of bones. The thing is, I'm sure she's lovely. Katie, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. It's just, it's a jarring thing. It is to, jarring. But what she does is she offers to, to clean John's leg for free. Yeah. Because remember at first he was like he just wanted the bone he didn't right. want the and we and find that. out because these people also went to the film school of on-screen text yes that it cost fifteen thousand dollars for john to take it to a lab for them to clean the flesh off the bone right so this woman katie apparently is a big judge Mathis fan right <laughs> and she saw him and wanted to offer her services to him for free which is incredible so amazing katie if you didn't kill anybody we love you the one thing where i was like katie girl stop talking where she's like i could just tear their flesh off this bone like beef jerky no problem <laughs> katie <laughs> it's one of those things where it's it's just second nature to her I like know. this is her job I it's know. not weird but you know I was thinking like there's definitely like it gets to be nighttime where Katie lives and she's alone like with these bones and like rotting flesh in her house and she's just watching like reruns of Judge Mathis and that is scary as shit to me and humming and whistling she's so happy about it that's the creepiest part that you just hear whistling in the woods what is that oh Katie's up late again cleaning those bones Ooh. probably eating beef jerky while she's doing it oh oh Oh, God. So John is now out of 
the program. Have, yeah. And he's up to step nine, which is making amends. Yeah. So his sister's like, girl, it's fine. It's yeah. totally cool. But it's the mom is the big one. He has to go to Peg's yeah. place. So in the meantime, while he's doing this, he just shows up to Katie's. Because I think part of his amends was to say, it's done. It's over. Right. Because they have to finish the bone thing and put it to bed. It right. has to be over. So I think that was part of it for him to say, look, I did it. It's yeah. done. So he shows up to Katie to pick up the leg or On whatever. his way to his mom's for Memorial Day. And she gives it to him. Yeah. As, and I'm like, I, it looks fine to me, I guess. Just <laughs> can you pan the camera the other way? Like, I get it. But she's like. See, I had some problems when I molded it. And I'm just, I'm just not as happy with it as I'd like to be. I'm going to beg you to let me keep it for a little while and redo it. And I'm like, she just wants to play with the bone again. Right. So he's like, um, okay, and like gives it back to her. Then it's cutting to John's mom, who's like, he's late. He's not here. Like he said he was going to come. I don't hear him. He's supposed to be here for supper. And, you know, to stay here for the weekend. There's nothing but silence. I don't hear a motorcycle riding in the driveway. And then it cuts back to John, who's like standing outside of Katie's place. Yeah, and he, I think he feels bad because they're these are two really nice people yeah. just trying to get through something really weird together. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> which is what we do every single every week. week. It's the best. <laughs> and so, um, see, oh, you said I was nice. I, know. I never hear that. So John is doesn't want to say no. Right. Because what she did is amazing and she's being so generous. Yeah. So it's hard for him to be like, actually, girl, I got to go. And th- I think the idea was that it, he's going to either bring this back to his mother. It, one way or the other, he's going to show his mother that very same day that he's picking this thing up for right. Katie that it's over. The right. foot thing is over. Right. So for him to leave this thing with her and then go to with, go to be with his mom yeah. means it's not over. Right. So he turns back around and he goes in and he's like, you know what? It's good enough. Yeah. Let's, uh, uh, let's look at this thing again. I honestly think I can clean this thing. You think? I think I can. Okay. And it just is what it is. And it gives you it gives you something to do um, about the finished product, you know? I'm going back down the road. It's 6.30. Damn, so by the time I get it's on the big road. It's 7. Oh. And he takes it. Puts yeah. it in his weird Gatorade bag. Sure. <laughs> And he gets on his motorcycle and he goes to his mom's. Yeah. Long story short, like they have a very nice weekend and they sort of like are on the beginning road back to like being a family again. I watched John's body language. He seems calmer. I could feel it. And uh, it was a very nice weekend. And John was is sober for two years at the time of the yeah. documentary. He got married in 2014. Yeah, John. And John got his life back, basically. But real quick, we cut back to Shannon. Yeah, while the while like it's puppies and rainbows over <laughs> right. in, in John universe, and I'm living for it. We keep cutting back to garbage Shannon, <laughs> who's been cast on this bullshit show on the Discovery Channel it's of a all places. Show, what is it called? The Dukes of Haggle. It lasted for like five seconds. Yeah, and it's all about like. Whatever, it's about like garbage. People selling garbage it's to garbage. It's like storage people. wars. It's yeah. that kind of yeah. thing. And so John's like, I want to go on Leno or Conan. <laughs> it cuts to him and his wife in their kitchen, and she's just like, We're super unhappy, and we talk about divorce all the time. He used to be a happy person, and he would always make me laugh. And didn't matter what mood I'm in, he can always come in the room and make me smile. And now. There's none of that. There's no communication. We talk about divorce a lot lately. And then 
he just and you think it's like an interview with just her sitting at the kitchen table and then from afar you just hear can I chime in with that and he's like sitting in the living room in the dark I'm tracing the drink in my head many many times being famous and on TV every day that's what I'm saying ain't it paid for making people laugh yeah have a good time that's what I've been chasing. If I die before I get it, might as well, because I made plenty enough money. And then it kind of ends with John saying, Anybody else would have just gave that leg and the grill back to me, and I would have just kept on doing what I was doing. Him doing what he did, I got my life back. Team John. Team John. Ah, uh, all the way. Oh, girl, we got through it. We did it. That was crazy. That was was a crazy, crazy documentary. That was weird. You guys, don't come for me about if it's a a slow cooker versus a barbecue (laughs) versus whatever. I know what it is. We're people. We don't don't have this stuff. The point is, there was a a foot in it is the major (laughs) point. Don't. It's comedy, you guys. We're laughing about it. But there was a foot in it. That's the major point. Don't focus on my... It was a disgusting... Like the bodies exhibit. That's what I kept thinking that it looked like. Oh, yeah. You guys, if you want to see... if you want an idea of what this foot looked like, Google the bodies exhibit. I went to it. Oh, the bodies God, exhibit. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, girl, what are we doing next? We are doing, you guys, get ready, get out your glow sticks <laughs> and your ecstasy. Maybe not the ecstasy, but we're doing glory days. That's the Michael Alec documentary, you guys. What a piece of fucking garbage <laughs> Michael Alec is. I know. Club kids in the 80s, you guys, it's going to be bonkers. Yeah. And in the meantime, if you don't want to watch the documentary, just watch Party Monster with Seth Green, Marilyn Manson, and, and Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin, Culkin and, and Wilson Cruz, our girlfriend. Macaulay Culkin in the worst performance of his career. <laughs> and he is so aware that a camera's on him. Oh, it's awful. It's so, He's so bad in this movie. It's horrible. But the story's crazy, and you're going to love this. Yeah, and I hate Michael Alec. And apparently people like when I when I have contempt for the subject. Um, Girl, where can they find us? At True Crime Obsessed on the Twitter, truecrimeobsessed.com, and truecrimeobsessed.com podcast on Instagram and True Crime Obsessed Podcast <laughs> Discussion Group on the Facebook. Yes, you guys. You guys, we are getting so close uh, to 2,000 reviews on iTunes. If you would take a minute and review us on iTunes and give us like five stars and just say like a nice thing. Oh, that would be nice. I want to get to 2,000 so badly. Oh my God. Remember when you were obsessed with the reviews? I know I was. I totally was. You would send me screenshots every day. I know. <laughs> Girl, where can they find you? At Jillian with a G on all the things. I'm at Patrick Hines uh, on the Twitter, at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram. You guys stay tuned for our hilarious outtakes. And you guys, this week our palate cleanser is from Fun Home, the musical from Broadway, won the Tony Award like two years ago. Hooray! And you guys, don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon. We are up to episode eight of Serial. Oh boy. It's totally insane. It's nuts. Whole bunch of full bonus episodes, all of our extended outtakes, everything is commercial free. We add more stuff by the week. Uh, hang yeah. out with us. People are loving it. Oh we're my having God. Such a good time. We're having the best time. Uh, we love you. We love you. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye. New York was still New York. That was the Club Kid story. Michael went off on this sort of tangent. We were the alternative in the gay community. It was big dance halls all over New York. Never seen anybody with that kind of influence and power. The makeup got a little wilder. The drugs started escalating. They were the most narcissistic, amoral group of people. 
This is the story of something good turning into something bad. He's a fame-hungry sociopath. Michael Alec is an absolute genius. Infantile. This horrific crime. One of the club kids told me, oh yeah, but there's also the thing that he killed somebody. And then he added, don't tell Michael I told you. You know, it was real biblical, it was Shakespearean in, in scope of what happened. Michael was the most incredible person I ever met. Just did the most fucked up things. The gore element, the drug element, the decadent. And then sinking to the greatest depths of hell. Michael just might have a third act. Who is coming out? Is it the party monster? Great time. We had a great time. We met Rabia. I mean, she smells amazing. I'm just, every time. <laughs> You're on record. It's such a call and response thing at this point. You say Rabia and I say, she smells good. <laughs> John's, John's sister and brother-in-law talk about the counselor and Tom, the brother-in-law, can't remember his name. He's oh, like, what's his, he had a weird name? He had like a first name that was a last name? His name's Carlton. Right. <laughs> he helped John a lot. He did help John a lot. Yeah. When we first get to Shannon's house, Lisa's like, look at this beautiful chandelier. And then in, I, in my notes, I just have a ton of question marks because it's <laughs> oh, all right. made of things that have to do with a foot. And it's just mannequin legs. And it's just garbage. But it, again, like super Texas Chainsaw massacre Right. It's the kind of thing that like you fall asleep and you wake up and you're tied to a chair and you look up and, and that's the chandelier. Absolutely. It's like from True Detective. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it was, they call it a chandelier, which is just absolutely not what it is. I know. One of Shannon's big business ideas was to display the foot on Halloween. Have like a big Halloween thing with the foot. Yeah, Shannon, all right. you are a genius. Your friends are right about you. Oh, God. I, I'm looking forward to getting to like a real documentary next week because I cannot listen to these fucking accents for one more minute. You know? Yeah. Your uncle died. You're feeling low. Nee, 
hours. Here's a sign for the names and the hours. Stand right here when you sign the book. This is called an aneurysm hook on guard. <laughs> <laughs>